When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, Thriller Thursdays on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 22 The flying squirrel was completely turned around. They had been walking through the underground passages for an hour, and Kit could no longer tell which way was out, except that process of elimination said it must be a direction other than the one that they were walking in. She hoped that her companions had a better sense of where they were going. Max was leading the way, his hands outstretched, but he had dismissed the glowing orb of light he had created in order to conserve his still limited power. Kit followed him, playing out the beam of her flashlight ahead of them as best she could, He came to another doorway on the side of the passage and paused for a moment, turning from the doorway, back to the passage, and back to the doorway again. He hesitated, and Kip began to wonder just how much of this came down to him flipping a coin. She cast her beam forward along the passageway. "'I think there are more stairs up ahead, Max,' she offered. "'Do you think it would be higher?' "'I think it very well might be.' Falcone said, grateful for the prompt. "'Besides, we've been in this main passage for quite some time. I don't know why the great prize of this temple would be hidden in an antechamber.' She wrinkled her nose in worry. "'Maybe we ought to be checking them out as we go,' she offered. "'We're taking some pretty big chances here.' "'I may not be doing much to inspire confidence,' he said. "'But I feel fairly sure of our route.' "'Magic isn't an exact science.' "'That's deep,' she said. "'You should write Burma Shave signs.' "'Where's a boss?' "'I'm right here,' he said from the darkness. "'Jeez Louise, boss!' she exclaimed. "'You give a girl a fright, you know that?' "'Sorry, squirrel,' he said sheepishly. "'You had Max covered with your flashlight, "'so I switched to night vision for a moment. "'You get a wider field of view.' "'If you're away from other light sources.' she said, frowning. You know how I feel about you wandering off. Just cause we haven't seen a death trap in a while. <gasps> there was a sharp intake of breath from both men. I just jinxed it, didn't I? she said ruefully. Of course not, the red panda said, lighting his flashlight. There's no such thing as a jinx. Just try not to do it again, all right? Yes, boss, <laughs> she said. Max says this way. Lead on, he said with a wave of his light and they set off once more into the darkness. He checked the stairs quickly for obvious traps and cleared them, though he took the lead along the narrow passage as they climbed. "'So where did you disappear to, anyway?' she asked. "'Were you off reading hieroglyphs again?' "'You know, it's a funny thing,' he said. "'I can't seem to read these. "'It's a terrible disappointment when you spend untold hours as a boy "'poring over ancient languages.' to finally be in an undiscovered pyramid, 
and not be able to make any sense of the writing. There's symbols I just don't recognize, and others that look familiar, but are styled differently. This place is ancient, my friend, Falcone said. It makes many of the oldest known treasures of antiquity blush. Once we have the eye out of here, I imagine archaeologists will have a field day. He sounded almost wistful. You could fund an expedition, she offered. Come back and potter around to your heart's content, as long as I can come with. He smiled, though no one could see it in the darkness. Don't we mostly fight crime, he asked. Besides, all the sun is making you freckle. She frowned. He couldn't have known that she was a little sensitive about the freckles and normally tried to avoid getting them whenever possible. Well, just don't go on and off was my original point, she scolded. I wasn't exactly wandering off, he said. I was dropping breadcrumbs. You were dropping what? Falcone sounded incredulous. Breadcrumbs, he said, pleased. Well, metaphorical breadcrumbs, anyway. Tiny radio microtransmitters built for just such an emergency. I've been placing them strategically on the way in to help illuminate the way out later, just in case we're in something of a hurry. The flying squirrel felt a flood of relief and silently forgave him for the crack about the freckles. They came to the top of the stairs and found themselves at the mouth of a long, narrow passageway. The stranger muttered something under his breath, and blue smoke appeared to flow from his fingertips, coalescing into another glowing blue will-o'-the-wisp that illuminated the path ahead of them. "'Not much detecting to do if there's only one road,' he explained. "'Fair point,' the Red Panda said. "'But everyone remember, they seem to favor putting traps in narrow places like this.' I can't think of anything much worse than coming this far and failing. He lowered his foot as if to step forward. Wait a second, the flying squirrel hissed. Max, can that thing us float on ahead a little ways? The stranger obliged, sending the orb twenty feet down the passage. In the spill of pale blue light, it was clear what had got her attention. The floor positively writhed with crawling life, all drawn from their crevices by the first appearance of light within these walls for many thousands of years. Nope, she said as if by reflex. Nope, nope, nope. Going home now. Goodbye. The flying squirrel did not move away, but she certainly did not move forward either. Now don't get out of hand, the red panda said with infuriating calmness. There were so many insects that the flying squirrel was certain she could hear them crawling over the stones of the floor and walls. That is a lot of bugs, she said simply. Well, the red panda chimed, technically the scorpions are arachnids, like spiders. Oh, and so are the spiders. Sorry, I didn't see those. And the giant beetles the size of my fist, she asked. Those are bugs, yes, he agreed. How can they live in here, Kit howled. What do they eat? I think mostly each other, the stranger offered. Goodbye, she said. This has been fun. All right, Falcone said, recalling the orb. Let me see if I can't start earning my keep around here. He closed his eyes a moment, and his hands began to circle one another in an almost hypnotic manner. His gestures were rapid but precise, and an instant later his voice called out as if from a great distance away. Resquilium varathnor in centos, he said, and the passageway was suddenly an inferno of searing flame. 
Both of the masked heroes stepped back, but the heat did not seem to reach them where they stood, only the bright white light. "'It sounds like they're screaming,' the flying squirrel said, her hands over her ears. "'I think it's just water vapor escaping through their exoskeletons,' the red panda said. "'You're just a barrel full of laughs over there. Anybody ever tell you that?' she asked. A moment later it was all over. An unholy stench filled the air, and the floor was even thicker with insect corpses that had fallen from the walls and ceilings, but they were unmistakably dead. Falcone looked a little spent, but not severely, and seemed pleased with how well that had gone. "'Not bad, Maxwell,' he said, smiling at his own fingers. "'All coming back to me.' "'All right,' the red panda said. "'Let's go.' He stepped forward, and there was a spine-shivering crunching below his feet, followed by a gelatinous squishing sound. "'Okay, I'm gonna be sick,' the squirrel said before she could stop herself. She didn't want to be too girly about this. The red panda and the stranger pushed their way forward, dragging their feet like they were walking through dead leaves to cut down on the revolting sounds and sensations, to say nothing of keeping solid footing." It was still too much for the flying squirrel, though, and in the end she took to the ceiling with her static shoes and walked the length of the passageway quickly, with her fingers in her ears and singing blue skies to herself. She leapt down to the floor, landing solidly on the remains of an enormous beetle and reacting with flesh-crawling horror before righting herself and looking through the doorway into the next room. "'No bugs in here,' she said. "'How come there's no bugs in here?' "'No idea,' the stranger said and the three of them stepped into the chamber. The chamber was unlike any they had passed through before. It was circular, with a single exit directly ahead of them, not more than twelve feet from the one they had entered. The ceiling was low by the standards they had seen so far, only a few feet above the red panda's head, and the bricks in the walls were small, narrow, and tightly packed against one another. There were no carvings or adornments on the walls apart from eight small statues shaped like stylized crocodiles' heads that surrounded the room at floor level, their mouths wide open but in a posture that suggested vomiting more than it did any sort of attack. The red panda guessed what they were just an instant too late. Suddenly there was a heavy sound of stone grating upon stone, and both entrance and exit were sealed by tremendous blocks which rolled into place. The red panda sprinted ahead in a futile gesture to stop the doorway in front of them from closing, but it was far too late, and even had it not been, he could have never halted the progress of the enormous stone. He turned and looked behind them quickly, but the stones had moved in perfect sync, and they were sealed in. "'Oh, good,' Kit deadpanned. "'What now?' The red panda turned and quickly felt along the edges of the doorway for any gap, any open seam that might convince him that he was wrong. "'Nothing.' "'Please just tell me it doesn't involve bugs,' she said. "'Good news,' the red panda said grimly. "'I don't think it involves bugs.' "'What's the bad news, then?' Falcone asked. There was a sudden and unmistakable sound of running water. "'That is,' the red panda said. The flying squirrel looked down and saw that the stones at her feet, which had been bone-dry since human civilization was in its infancy, were thirstily lapping up a running stream around her ankles. "'Okay,' she said. "'This was a little unexpected.' "'It's the crocodiles!' Max cried excitedly. "'They're water-pipes!' It was true. The stone heads around the room were flooding the sealed chamber with icy, cold, stagnant water. "'Where is this coming from?' Kit yelled. 
Does it matter? the red panda said, struggling against the door, which was clearly unassailable. Help me try and stop up the pipes, the stranger called. There's too much pressure, the red panda protested, unless you have a spell that generates eight enormous corks. That would be oddly specific, wouldn't it? the stranger quipped. Can we get through that door? Doesn't look that way, the red panda said ruefully. Even if we had enough explosive to shift this stone, the blast would turn us all to jelly. The stranger looked at the water, which was already up to his knees. Oh, not the worst way to go, though, is it? he said to no one in particular. The red panda wondered at the sudden silence of his partner and looked around quickly. He found her at the top of the wall, quietly scrambling around the edge of the room, playing her flashlight near the join between the ceiling and the walls, and leaning in close to look as she did so. She moved quickly, and looked a bit like an even larger version of one of the beetles they had just roasted, though he decided that was probably one of those things he ought to think and not actually say. "'Did you drop something?' he asked, as much as possible as if he weren't in freezing cold water up to his knees." "'Just looking for loose mortar,' she offered. "'Don't mind me. You go on with your swim if you like.' "'Loose mortar?' Falcone asked, puzzled. "'Of course!' the red panda exclaimed, leaping up the side of the room and playing his flashlight along in a similar fashion. "'Age hasn't made the rock any lighter, and whatever mechanism they constructed for flooding the room still seems to work. But if the stones have shifted, if we can get just a few of them loose—' "'Do you really think we can open a large enough hole to escape in time?' the stranger asked. "'Don't know,' he admitted, his fingers digging desperately. "'Don't know what else to try.' "'I think I've got something!' Kit called excitedly from the other side of the room. The red panda leapt down to the floor and gasped as he hit the water, which was almost up to his waist. His flashlight submerged, flickered, and the light was lost. An instant later he was across the room and up the wall at her side. "'Tell me you pack something that goes boom,' she demanded. "'I packed you,' he offered. "'Oh,' she said, smiling in spite of impending doom. "'I like that.' "'If we could return to the subject at hand,' the stranger prompted genially from the floor, where he was nearly ready to begin treading water. Two flash grenades,' he said. "'That's about all that might help, and they did just get wet.' "'They're waterproof, though, right?' she asked, taking his offering and adding it to her own distressingly small arsenal.' "'Well, in theory,' he said. "'Swell,' she grinned, fixing the charges to each other with wire stripped from one of her belt pouches. She hung the whole mess from one of the tiny cracks she had found between the stones. "'You'd better get back,' she said. "'I got a flare delay for a timer, which means I have about two seconds between strikey and kablooey.' "'You're going to die for cover?' he asked. "'Sure,' she nodded as he crawled around the wall to get clear." It isn't going to be much of a boom. That's both the good news and the bad news. Everybody get ready. Now! An instant later there was a small roar and a blinding flash, and some small crumbling noises which passed for encouragement. The red panda hurried back to the blast site and began pounding on the loose rocks with his fists. She swam over to him, gasping at the sudden chill after days of heat, and clawed at the bricks with her gloved hands. At first, not much seemed to happen, and then all at once there was a crash, as bricks and dry, broken mortar began falling backwards into some unseen open space beyond. They fought for several minutes more, without succeeding in making the hole any bigger, and at last were forced to concede to the solid construction of the wall. "'It isn't large enough to get through,' the stranger said, swimming now, and near the ceiling as they all were. 
Maybe it doesn't have to be, the red panda said hopefully. Maybe this room isn't supposed to stay flooded. If the trap is meant to reset after we drown. You're a barrel ass, you know that? The flying squirrel asked, her own flashlight sputtering out in the deluge. Thanks, he said. I'm pretty sure you know what I mean. The water was higher now, and it began to flood over the broken space in the wall, the strain of the rushing water taking still more bricks with it, making the hole a little wider, a little deeper. But would it be enough? There was more cracking of mortar, more crashing of bricks into the space beyond. The red panda struggled to get enough purchase on the opening to add any force to the equation, holding on with his left and kicking furiously with his feet. But he couldn't tell if he was making any difference, and as the water continued to rise, conserving oxygen became more important. Falcone seemed to be tiring, and the glowing orb he had created dimmed in intensity as it fell beneath the rising tide, but thankfully it did not vanish altogether, leaving them in total darkness. The opening they had created was just enough to stem the flow of water before reaching the ceiling, but for ten long, cold minutes the three adventurers treaded water grimly, wondering how long they could hold out and if there was a second act forthcoming. With only the roaring of water in their ears, they kept their mouths turned desperately toward the ceiling, gasping at what little air remained. All at once, when they were certain they could take no more, the sound in their ears changed. It grew louder, and grew in urgency, and they could feel the brackish water begin to flow around their legs, faster and faster. The water was dropping, and quickly, carrying the three of them in a long, slow circle, as some unseen drain in the floor opened. It took less than a minute, and as they felt the solid floor beneath their feet, they knew that they were not falling away with a flood into some unseen, unimaginable abyss. It was then that the red panda began to laugh. His ringing peals of unbounded joy were unexpected and infectious, and the stranger could not help but join in. The flying squirrel was too miserable to laugh. She was chilled to the bone and soaking wet through her squirrel suit. She thought ruefully of the closet full of specialized costumes hanging in her change room in their underground lair many miles away. Insulated suits for winter, special suits for diving, anything other than the lightweight summer models she had packed for a trip to the Sahara. She clasped her hands together as she rose to her feet, her hands shaking visibly, however much she tried to stop them. She flipped her hair back out of her face as the stones blocking both doors rolled away, and they beat a hasty retreat before they could trip the deluge again. "'Are you all right?' the red panda asked as he caught her eye. He couldn't tell if it was just a light from the stranger's orb or, or if her lips were turning blue. "'Me? Oh, I'm swell,' she said. "'I'm in the desert, soaked to the skin, and I'm freezing cold. What's not to like?' "'Good girl,' he said, giving her a chuck on the shoulder. "'Yes, boss,' she said, rolling her eyes just a little. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end-of-the-week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of F's. The Mutual Audio Network, where we listen and imagine. 
together. 